Tomorrow there is a, tra a reading for Traffic or Press. Yeah. 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 It is. Wh wh it's at the Harvey Milk. It's at the Harvey Milk Center, right? And yeah. Erica yeah. Stadium. And yeah. And who? Taylor Brady. And, Taylor, and Taylor and Ariel Goldberg. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if I wear this dress <laughs> again, <laughs> um, no one say anything. <laughs> <laughs> and then also uh, Electric Collective coming up when. It's on 23rd Street. Um, who's going to be reading? Gillian Connolly, Brian Eng, and Lisa Catroni. Lisa probably. Yeah. Cool. That's at 7:30. Awesome. It's a really beautiful gallery. Um, really wonderful reading too, and uh, a collective of really cool people who run it. So, um, so those are the things. And uh, oh, I would I would really like to thank um, the house uh, and the people who live here and who uh, let this happen every month um, and hopefully into the future a lot. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, um, it's really awesome um, because it's it's a lot of different kinds of artists. So it's uh, it's nice to have that solidarity across different disciplines. So. Uh, is that everything? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, this is fun. Kevin Killian. So cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, um, his uh, selected Amazon Reviews Volume 2 has been in our bathroom for the last week. That means like 25 people have read it. <laughs> so it's really awesome, actually. Uh, editor, playwright, author in general, anthologizer. Man about town. Yeah. Wonderful friends. What? Yeah. Yeah. Kevin was lovely. I've been writing for decades to get that introduction. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, I kind of grabbed a lot of stuff on my way here, and I haven't really all sorted it all out, but I have begun. <laughs> and I'll start with my poem in the new issue of Try, right? Yeah. Better than today. I wrote this in honor of Kylie Minogue. <laughs> <laughs> Brothers and sisters, I had a period of living for the weekend, <laughs> high on Capitol Hill, like the tracks and houses of Japan. I ran rampant. This was when they had that big flood in Japan. Through flood waters, zombie cars, boats without captains, cars moving sideways, houses pushed off their roots, in the coal cellar, bare-chested women shouting in the rain. In this fever, I skipped my meetings. 
stopped my medication. Alone in limpid drool lay I strapped to the table, surfing the wild waters of Mensa Tibang. My steed hid a hoarding. If you bobbed there, bobbed there, jolted but steady, saved by a billboard, soaking wet and cold, but alive. I could look up and see the words looming over me in bright fire colors, but no sense of what they were saying. For that, you'd have to be on the other side of the camera. Kevin Ryan told me, everyone's naked on the internet. And Kylie added, we just want tomorrow to be better than today. I think selling comes second. But once the straps are off and I'm being toweled down roughly by a Red Cross nurse, my skin shows me that selling trumps everything. Moloch let me live to be a content provider. <laughs> so speaking of which, selected <laughs> Amazon reviews, volume two. <laughs> I read, I'm reading one that was, it's just news to me. I don't remember writing it or anything. <laughs> <laughs> and it's called Overcoming Shame. And it's my review of the association, Greatest Hits, audio CD. <laughs> don't you hate when those, don't you hate those reviewers who complain about a Greatest Hits album? That one obvious song is missing, and yet I'm going to pull a facsimile of that exact review. <laughs> Regarding the greatest hits of the association, I sent away for it just blindly, assuming without reading the fine print. And you know what they say about assuming. <laughs> well, it happened to me. I wanted one song, <laughs> the, the theme from Goodbye Columbus. And when the CD came, I didn't even look for it. Just thrust the disc into the player and waited. <laughs> and waited and waited. <laughs> Heard a bunch of nice songs, but you know, I said to my kids, I never did hear Goodbye Columbus. That's <laughs> neither, Dad. <laughs> Give me that sleeve, I swore. It's actually a beautiful image of the six members of the association grouped, some standing, some sitting or kneeling, on the rich green banks of some magnificent morning lake. They're all pushed to the right side in keeping with the Hudson River School or some fantastic Turner painting like Juliet and her nurse, where it's the landscape, not the incidental human onlookers that matters. In tiny letters, the names of the songs are listed in saffron, too small for me to read. Kids! I cried out. <laughs> Do you see the word Columbus anywhere? No, Dad. The truth is that even in their heyday, the association were hard to swallow, especially if you had an ounce of cool in you. <laughs> I became fascinated with their minimalistic procedures towards language, almost on the Aram Saroyan level. They would focus in on one word at a time. Windy, perhaps, or cherish, 
And each track would be this close, intense examination of how the word worked, its function in society. The blend of their voices was less jaunty than the Beach Boys. Indeed, it had something of the faceless piety of the Vienna Boys Choir. Had they reached puberty? Hard to tell. I remember the guilty pleasure of hearing them boom out, hello life, goodbye Columbus, on the radio waves and delighting in the misery that this iteration must be causing author Philip Roth at, the ver at this very moment. It was like that Preston Sturges film, Sullivan's Travels. He thought he was writing, oh brother, where art thou? But the association had rendered his sensitive novella into Ants in Your Pants, 1969. <laughs> or Enter the Young. Has there, any, has, has there ever been anything more twee? And yet, and yet, when all is said is done, they had something. Their very awkwardness and sincerity had a moral force like Luther pounding those proclamations into the cathedral door. I did love them, despite never knowing one from the other, despite the cloying sentiments of never my love or everything that touches you. They weren't rock, not exactly. They were like looking at the US flag intently, then switching your gaze to a white wall. And something like Jasper John's flag pops out at you in yellow and green. Yes, they were like listening to rock and then watching a white wall to see what might develop. A, a meditational exercise like Tai Chi. They're flawless, really. I'll go back to my book, Argento series. I wanted to read it um, in honor of Sarah and her reading because she told me this was the book she liked the best by me. Oh, something like that. <laughs> so I'll read this one poem. It's called The Inn of the Red Leaf. And it was about, I wrote it when I, in the 90s, when I, when the, uh, around the, after the death of Kathy Acker, the novelist. And it begins, I just copied out Robert Duncan's poem, his translation of Sonnet 3 from Dante's, uh, Dante's sixth sonnet. And if you know this poem by Duncan, well, here you get to hear it again. Rob, it's, uh, in it, he imagines himself, Jack Spicer and Robin Blazer, as living in, in like a kind of artist's paradise. Robin, it would be a great thing if you, me, and Jack Spicer were taken up in a sorcery with our mortal heads so turned that life dimmed in the light of that fairy ship, the golden vanity, or the revolving lore, whose sails ride before music as if it were our will, having no memory of ourselves but the poets we were in certain verses that had such a semblance or charm, our lusts and loves confused in one, lord or magician of amour's likeness, and that we might have ever at our call those youth we have celebrated to play eros and erased to lament in the passing of things, and to weave themes forever of love, and that each might be glad to be so far abroad from what he was. 
and this is where I begin. And I was watching this film by Argento, The End of the Red Wave, which is a terrible like Inquisition type of picture. Bring in the prisoner in black and white telephones, shackles. He will tell what he knows of the red inn of the red leaf if I am a judge of men. Is it in Canada? Is that all you can tell us, prisoner of the black jail in Milan winter? My tongue torn away by plants emits a wig and wag. That's all. Say fini, the inn of the red leaf. Slap his face, make him cough up in blood more details. Not just it's in Canada. Do you think us fools? <laughs> in the winter of my 45th year, I was on the phone with Dodie, and she said Kathy Acker was very sick. The whitewashed walls of the police state office and the sweat of the prisoner talking without crosses, supported in the chair and thinking these thoughts with no direction. Who went to Venice? The icy banks of the canal. Who went to Tijuana on the wings of a snow white dove? Kathy's last days were spent in a all over the world trying to find help for her cancer. Now you see her, now you don't. Aora la mira y ahora no. Waiter, check into the inn of the red leaf. Accommodate party of large egos with utmost civility. On New Year's Eve, I'm sitting here thinking, where is she now? Dodie, I would like it if you and I and Kathy Acker were all still alive through some Jamaican voodoo herb and our Filipino healer put us on the ferry boat, just like Pussy, King of the Pirates, but with less pressure. A big ship with a white sail that thrills to loud music, and we could not remember who had written what and who had stolen what passage from another. Our lusts and loves confused as one like Harold Robbins filibustering with red face in UK courtroom. And I'd like it if all the fellows we ever loved and been dominated by before pirate advent and the men who died so that we could live and sail kind of, you know, were like the slave boys. And I'd smile to you and you and she at me to be on this funny sea this choppy, cool, violet water. Now I'll go to Action Kylie. I'm just jumping right through my whole career. There's so many sad poems in here, too, that I want to brighten up a little bit. Well, I'll read anagrams then. That's always fun. <laughs> Do you know how anagrams? <laughs> Online guy, Neil Young. <laughs> Canterbury Tales. Rusty Tabernacle. <laughs> Marcel Proust. Corrupt males. <laughs> Kylie Minogue, I like them young. <laughs> no real harm, no real charm beneath Helena Bonham Carter. <laughs> Michael Keaton, the Coke animal. 
<laughs> Julia Roberts, bestial juror. A really sublime twit. And then there's a second anagram. Wait, I'm really subtle. William Butler Yeats. <laughs> Revenge is our way, Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> Erotica villainous, Alicia Silverstone. <laughs> Andy McDowell, a wild old menace. No brains on a date? Come on. <laughs> Antonio Banderas? <laughs> thinking I brought my these little books like every Christmas I write a, my or my birthday I make a book of all my little poems <laughs> sad isn't it <laughs> and I wasn't really sure what to read but <laughs> I had some good ones in it this one was called story of Lincoln did you you know that magazine Abraham Lincoln and the editor asked me to write something for him so I wrote yeah I didn't know how to do this farf thing, so I was. <laughs> I wrote Story of Abraham, and that was kind of a pastiche of a Nico song, like All Tomorrow's Parties. <laughs> but it needs like this thrumming, you know, organ beat to really get it across. And then Story of Lincoln. And this was the day when Lincoln was, you know, declared he was gay. And what right have you to comment? on my choosing to love the person I set my heart on. Just because you and Ross have gone on record as stating that heterosexuality is not of interest in the human community, I was the law partner of the man you think so little of. And he, Lincoln, deserves the respect you would give to any other black-clad human of a species, be he gay or straight. And you, as you're in your high-toned, two-color Surrey of the month, with the lampshade fringe bobbing at five miles an hour, you do not know what went down on those long prairie nights in the world's largest bed in the world's tiniest log cabin, love nest in Springfield. I used to say to him, Lincoln, speak low, for the snows have ears. <laughs> and he would josh me, reminding me that my name was Speed, and my, do you know the, the the famous roommate of Lincoln, James Speed Herndon. My name was Speed and my mind was made of crystal. No two flakes the same. So I couldn't say whether Democrats crouched be between the floorboards to let in their ears. I would see those little fleshy excrescences like toadstools growing between the boards or bumping up the broad loom rug. And to me, I saw ears, the ears of thine henchmen. For Lincoln and I were free of ambition at night, other than arranged to know what an Illinois body tastes like with whiskey dripped on its increscences. However, <laughs> not you, and not Ross. This was the debate in the house, if I had had a drop to drink in Springfield. For thine was the mischief and the slander and the abuse of ancestral privilege. We were roommates, cabin mates, nothing more. But in the 19th century, we sailed an earthbound Pequod. And that night, we were not divided. I had had but one notion of the years from the time I woke on the prairie, unwanted spawn of widower speed, the flat lands oppressing my mind, that someday I would see the mountains and the ends of the sea. And in the body of Lincoln, I found me both Canaan's 
pity you stooped with your pickup ears, hearth crickets, to abys abysm me in your idea of shame? Be he gay or straight, he was the map of the territory, the copy that, in the years to come, would precede the original, so that now, to reproduce my state of mind, I cross my legs in yoga position, <laughs> balancing Lincoln Penny on warm, firm head of dick. <laughs> he has not failed me, and you simply lack the right to judge. If you had been in that bed, you might not be so treasony and needy. <laughs> you are a toothless son of man, and I, lawyer speed, have felt the snowflakes melt in my open furnace of rectum. <laughs> and I'm reading a little bit from um, same time last year, which I wrote for Kota Azawa. He was doing a, like an animated version of last year at Marion Bad. And I was urging him to watch this movie, same time next year, with Ellen Burstyn. Before your time. <laughs> so it just goes on from that premise that the two movies are really the same picture. <laughs> OK, this one is about Wuthering Heights by Kate Bush. Does any of you know it? OK, Heathcliff, it's me, you're Kathy. I'm coming home now. It's so cold, let me into your window. Oh. I was only a boy when Kate Bush made that song a hit, and I fell in love with her gaudy Lindsay Kemp interpretive dance skills. The way her long arms would wrap around her own ribcage, hugging herself as she zigzagged like a pharaoh across a field of barley. Poplars swaying behind her, her flame-colored dress or pantsuit, like a, a blazing provocation, hugging herself as though, like Heathcliff, she had been cast out of society for some unnamed offense related to her fabulousness. <laughs> when she sang the words, let me in at your window, she raised a pale hand and covered her face with it, then let the hand slide so that the face seemed to be approaching a window pane. You know, let me in at your window. <laughs> Pressing its nose into it in mute appeal, longing for the warmth inside of family life, yet forever cut off of it from it because of her red dress, her orangey red dress, like a flamingo. It's me, your Kathy. She would mispronounce her own name. <laughs> Placing heavy accent on the second syllable of Kathy, making it sound like Kathy, as if to say, I don't even care what I call myself. I'm beyond, I am beyond names. I am need. Uh, this is called Prelude to a Put-Down. She can be very seductive. Have you ever heard this phrase without its corollary, the put-down? Something like, but she's utterly mad. <laughs> I know she can be very seductive by itself. It's not really a sentence, as it lacks the requisite follow-up. But you're making a huge mistake. 
He can be very seductive, I have heard it say. But for God's sakes, Kevin, he's only 25. <laughs> As a prelude to a put-down, she can be very seductive, has few peers. I have lived through decades of English and heard this one a million times. What kind of person says these five words? People haunted by their own imaginations. In the mail... In the mail on Sunday, one of Keith Urban's early girlfriends warned Nicole Kidman against hoping too much. When he talks the talk, he can be very seductive, but I'm not sure Keith will ever be ready to settle down. Heritage rock concerts. <laughs> Led Zeppelin, could you play Stairway to Heaven? <laughs> um, I'll read poem, a few poems to, uh, from my new project, which is uh, it's called Nude, and it was uh, commissioned by Glad Barbara Gladstone Gallery, who asked me to write poems in honor of Ugo Rondinone. And he was doing this uh, big installation in New York. Basically, it was sculptures of human figures, n naked, joined together in weird ways. Like they looked, they were very finely worked, except that their joints looked like puppets, you know, like the marionette type joints. And they're all lying like they were dead, sleeping, or dying in the far corners of the gigantic, cavernous Gladstone Gallery. No, no two were anywhere close together. So I was like, okay. <laughs> and they wanted me to stay there overnight in the gallery to get the spooky atmosphere. Will you stay the night at Barbara Gladstone Gallery all night for reals? Are your nerves up to it? Are you feeling lucky, boy? Like the house on Haunted Hill I saw when I was a kid. An oversized skeleton swoops on wires from the theater rafters. Its long, dangling fingers grasp at the hats of the moviegoers. Whoever agrees to stay in the house all night long will earn $10,000 each. Did anybody see House on Haunted Hill? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The guests are trapped with ghosts and terrors and hors d'oeuvres, but no electricity, no cell phones, <laughs> no keys to the door. Blind, my feet stumble over body after body. Life's too short. I knew that. Yet why are all of these, my friends, dead or dying on the gallery floor? Welcome to the house on Haunted Hill, intones a voice <laughs> profundo, from hidden speakers built inside the space. Since it was built a century ago, seven people, including my brother, have been murdered in it. Since then, I've owned the house. I only spent one night here, and when they found me in the morning, I... I was almost dead. <laughs> this is Vincent Price who played this part. <laughs> was it a nightmare we were collectively dreaming? Or maybe the triumph of the Koch brothers that turned our bodies into clay, our joints to wire, our cocks and cunts into jewels and berries? Announce the death of the common space so that each place, each warehouse floor, each forest glade, is now owned by the rich, its airspace, its grave space, 
the space between even the invisible world in which the magic used to happen. I am his fourth wife. The first one disappeared. The other two died. In the morning when you find me, kick my ribs in. Make sure I've gone to my maker, not to no devil. Watch the last ecto-breath of life flutter up towards the dark. Master Ugo, keep those demons off me, I pray you. This is all like more of the same thing. It was the most depressing project I ever did. I was like beating myself up with depression. <laughs> Violets in the snow. Black wax on blue rare earth. Blue Trinitron from the Congo. Did that girl swallow a Santa hat? <laughs> no, she has fur on her teeth. And she'd be giving you that Chloe Savigny look. <laughs> Sort of seductive, but fragile, like violets in the snow. TV newsman holds up dirt that sifts through his hands into a tin pan. Those gray specks are rare earth minerals. I mean, they're nondescript. They're not sparkling and shiny like gold or diamonds or anything, but they're, they're just as important. And Mubarak adds, I plan to go. Back straight, arms folded, dog squirming on the leash. We fear the man behind the curtain. Thing is, there ain't no curtain. It's us. So I remember when Mubarak did go. Okay, so that's when I was writing this. This is the box, and this was a movie I was watching when I was writing this project, and the box, with Cameron Diaz, yes. Yes. and she gets a box, and I can't remember the setup, but if she agrees to turn this key in the box, somebody may die on Earth, but she gets $1 million, and she'll never know the person, never know who it was, and it, it won't affect her in any way. <laughs> so this is the lesson at the end. Satan comes in and tells her this. <laughs> And I copied it off the screen. Your home is a box. Your car is a box on wheels. You drive to work in it. You drive home in it. You sit in your home, staring into a box. It erodes your soul while the box that is your body inevitably withers, then dies, whereupon it is placed in the ultimate box to slowly decompose. Oh. This one's called Link. I think we need to see some link between those eight bodies on the floor of factual link to make sense of the death drive. Foolishly, I posited that one had slept with another, then he with her, and so around the floor, a slow-moving windmill of lust, lust and loss, but it may not be that narrative. What is that need to explain the nude? It comes from within, from spatial relations, or am I a novelist through and through, as once I wanted to write for the soaps, Santa Barbara, One Life to Live. The reason she's in that corner is that she wants to avoid that man's gaze, 
for she is the sister of the bride he left at the altar. <laughs> George Kuchar reasons, Cornell Woolrich reasons, what is your favorite link between the living and the dead? Pick one, ladder, lantern, seance, telenovela, scotch and tab. That was my favorite. <laughs> Rose bouquet. Coins on the eyelids. The affordance is perfect, but from time to time one must intervene in the conflict. Step up, clap hands sharply twice, clear your throat, say, boys, no squabbling. The bodies are like something from Racine. Ce n'est plus une ardeur dans mes veines cachées. C'est Venus tout entière à sa proie attachée. French, French people? Yeah. <laughs> Help me out here. But it, it basically, to me, it means something like, it used to be just like a little thing that I could dismiss, but now it has taken over my entire body. And this one I wrote when Peter Christofferson died. Do you know, know him? The, they called him sleazy. What you cannot see is truth. That's the name of my poem. And I was watching Argento, Mother of Tears. Sky a deep blue and umbrian blue above the cold towers of San Francisco, watching Argento's Mother of Tears, in which a kind of a haggard Asia plays an art historian and an archaeologist. <laughs> she blows dust off a bannered inscription in some unexplored catacombs, up pop words. What you see does not exist, she translates for our benefit. Well, what's that bit down there? What you cannot see is truth. And over the Pacific, words fail to pierce the tongue. In Bangkok, Peter Christofferson lies dead, uncrowned and broken, the sturdiest little alarm clock. His lips move, his greatest enemy, the lie. Through dark catacomb he prowls, pausing for the merest moment at that dizzying staircase. Vertigo would freeze a lesser man. It is not the man who descends, it is the world that lifts up. Sky fills with blue, more blue, blue filched from every corner of earth. I'm sorry for you because evidently you don't have blue where you live. It is piled up above me like the laugh of St. Sleazy. There's a picture of Peter Christofferson. Nude Valentine. I, think I wrote this as Valentine. Pick this Gerbera daisy, pull off its petals one at a time. Don't freak out when they don't come out right. She loves me, she loves me not. That word not, so harsh like a dog bite. Tempted to cheat on the daisy. You can look ahead, see three knots and three yays. Then the flower, nude, falls to the dirt. I loved the luck of it. I loved not the luck of it. I loved it when you sucked my cock. It was our slang for love. 
you would pull my daisy from out of my Levi's. I wanted to die then, so happy. Your finger tapping, my asshole. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> this one's also called Link. And I wrote this in one of those meetings of the Nonsites Collective, cupping down what everybody was saying about about death. In an art space, what is commons? What is communing? The somatic practices of curriculum, reclamation of public spaces, consensus versus desensus. The majority of the body is frontier. As Tim Lugos wrote, the corpses change, but the party goes on forever. The body is biologically incomplete. What's missing? It's a simple question. Can a body be a commons? I hear that it's cold way down there. Laura Nero sang, crazy cold way down there. Just two more right here. Five-year plan. I'm picturing myself in five years. To become obscure among human beings, but clear, clearer in all relations. To become the night thickening to mist over the water, vanishing with first light of morning. And then this is my last poem, Speak Right. I began having dreams about losing all my teeth, like one by one, or like one tooth would be missing, then I couldn't, the words were missing also to describe what I was trying to get at. Can you hear me? Nations led like Pygmalion at the promise of Galatea, the need to make inert flesh come alive, behave like a girl, that need plunges through mind to war. Can you hear me? It is believed that if one takes the right tone to this work, speak directly into its heart, its anime catch fire, brachioles sway and merge, kingfishers catch fire, <laughs> Frankenstein bends, his head, bigger than the moon, sits up on the table. Linen sheets slip away from his loins. Body looks at me, quietly moves its mouth. Hello, Kevin. <laughs> and then you have all that kazari about, you created it, now you're responsible for it. Udo Kier did this so well in Flesh for Frankenstein. The Baron coming to hate his creation, having to try to find it a gay mate, and then shrug, I ain't no pimp. Speak low when you speak love. Speak into the monster's ear. Hello, bodies. I am here to visit you for one night only. Tell me your dreams as you lie across enchanted forest floor at Barbara Gladstone Gallery. The stone, the glad. Were you, my friends, from former public life? Did I kiss your mouth? Were you thinking of my breath as you lost your last? I was in your lap, digging and growling like my dog, finding the warm spot. Come, dead friends, you are almost alive. The wax on the wood anoints you into Lazarus calm. You might push away the stone, announce your life naked, linen forgotten at your feet, your genitals bright and rosy, your eyes clear for once. I was in love with you from far away. You seemed not to care then. I was in agony. 
Did I wish you dead then? Or did I wish merely you had never come to life in the first place to torment me with your cute haircut and your grinning face so similar to that of screen star Joseph Gordon-Levitt? <laughs> Speak low as we fall adrift. You laugh when boys or women tell their dreams. Is it not your trick? You recognize that's the end of Anti-Cleopatra. In this room, give me your madness. Bring me your youth in a jar, the snake on my breast that sucks the nurse's sleep. Come give me your kind words. Hello, Kevin. How once I jumped out of my seat while driving, while they came up on the screen in the gallery with Scott when your photo rolled across the screen and the walls fell away, nude there, white walls, and I was thinking, is this what want is about? You've got the gift. Then out of poetry, some words drop out, scattered like corn fallen from the cob. Words drop out, and those that remain, like the teeth in a skull, lisp when they mean to sing. Words fall down. It is a tree with blood instead of sap. Speak into my ears. Speak right. Bid me to live. Words drop out like futures in my 401k plan. I look for you. I scan the room. There's no you in it. There's a gap between gravestones. Valentine's. You have left for Brussels. Could have worn, sworn I heard your whisper. I am reading these signs that the infidel hates me. <laughs> <laughs>